0: is the Scoreboard Podcast, part of the USC Annenberg Sports Family of Podcasts. I'm your host, Eddie Sun, joined by Reagan Griffin Jr. and Michael Fiumafredo. Um, So last week we actually made a mistake. We said that yesterday's Super Bowl between the Niners and the Chiefs had no connection to any uh, USC Trojans football players, but we were wrong. Mm. Actually, the running back coach for the Chiefs, Deland McCullough, was also the running backs coach for USC in 2017. So, I think we can say that USC Trojans very, football breach champions. Tight, there we go. Right? Very okay. tight knit. But uh, you know, speaking of the Super Bowl there. game, I think all of us three picked the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So yep. prediction right you, so. came out true. Even though I wanted my Niners to win, but you know, had to had to prioritize yeah. ra- rationality over being a fan. Sometimes all the Niners fans on campus were very upset. <laughs> That's unfortunate, but. Anyways, we're here to talk about USC sports. So let's talk about the uh, the two games the Trojans played. One of them they won against Utah. They won fifty six to fifty two, and the other they lost pretty badly seventy eight to fifty seven against Colorado. Both games pretty poor shooting nights. Um, it, it's been kind of a recent trend where they've shot pretty poorly from the field. Right. Um, I I know Reagan, you and I were both at the Colorado game. I wonder, Michael, if you also caught the games too. Yeah, I did. Uh, um, and, I was, you know.
1: was going to come in here and say something about how USC is a very good second half team and how that's going to bode well when the games really matter. But then I watched that game and watched us go down by 20 points after hanging with them for pretty much the entire first half. So it, this team's very hard to figure out. I think we need to call them like a rocket scientist or something if we really want to
2: figure out this team's identity and how they're going to play moving forward. I think Coach Enfield said it best in the uh, press conference after the Colorado game that when it's bad and the team plays bad, that they play really bad, Uh, particularly offensively. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just one of those nights, the shots just weren't falling for them, and uh, those things happen over the course of a season. Uh, Every game's not going to be a perfect game, but uh, it was definitely a bit, it it was an ugly game to watch because you know... The team on the court wasn't playing to
0: the potential of the team that plays at USC. Mm-hmm. And I actually wrote this um, in my recap of the Colorado game. Uh, basically, my lead was when when it gets bad, it gets really bad. And USC's five losses this season, they've lost those games by an average of 18.6 points, which um, you can take it in many ways. So one way you can take it is USC's won more close games than they've lost. Mm-hmm. But also it means that when you know one player or two players are shooting bad, it almost means like everyone— on the roster is not playing very well. Yeah, which is um, yeah. So it bodes for some nights like against Colorado where it's just not even a game. And the Washington game. Yeah, the Washington game. And like, this this was a big game. If we if they would have went ended
2: up winning this game, it would have uh, solidified them as number one in the Pac twelve. It definitely I think would have worn to
0: the top twenty five ranking. Finally. Oh yeah, fine. Um, um and but, looking at the Pac twelve standings because Oregon lost to Stanford, um, USC would have been eighteen and four if they had won and been number one in the Pac-12 in their overall record and their conference record. Right. But now uh, they're tied for second with Colorado, half a game bef- behind Oregon. Still good enough probably to earn a tournament bid, like very likely. But of course, you know, leading that conference would have been a good look.
2: One yeah. thing about sports, man, it's, uh, it's, it's, You got to keep it pushing. My coaches always used to tell me that you got to have a short term memory when it comes to things like this, and it's just one of those games that you got to purge it, learn what you can from it, and keep it pushing. And uh, hopefully, this team has the resiliency to do that. I think that they do, but um, it's going to be very interesting to see how they fend for the next game and whether or not you know the poor shooting nights of the past two games are going to continue to carry on. Because uh, so far this season, the shooting's just been very volatile. It's Mm -hmm. been times where it's been really bad, and there's been times where it's really good. Mm-hmm. And we just have to find some sort of level of consistency there, um, if we want to, you know, carry this team into the tournament and, uh, you know, make uh, make a push for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think this game could be forgettable. I mean, the Washington game, we went out the next week and pretty much blew out an Oregon State team. So, mm-hmm. like you said, when it's going really bad, it's really bad. But mm-hmm. when it's going well, it's going really well. Yeah. We've and seen the, that like the, the past few the games, is... even in the loss to Oregon, we're. We hung in the whole game and then took them to double overtime. We outscored Stanford by 20 in the second half. We outscored Utah by 10 in the second half. Mm -hmm. So I think the potential is just there. We just need to figure out and have somebody step up for multiple games in a row. Mm Because right now I see guys like Nick Rakosevich and Elijah Weaver. They played very well against Utah. And then were not non-existent, but they just didn't play the the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a struggle when you need, like, a guy that's going to have a really good shooting night for three games in a row and just carry the team up into the
2: standings and And stuff like that. That's what it goes back to, right? Because beyond Onyeka, I don't think this team has a guy that they can confidently go to 100% of the time. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. it can be Jonas, sometimes it'll be Weaver, sometimes it'll be Ethan, um, but you know, game in, night in, night out, I don't see one guy who's been, you know, able to step up consistently. And mm-hmm. by the time March rolls around, which is, you know, all not, not all that far away, um, we're going to have to have figured out who that person is for this team because yep. it can't just be Yucca.
1: And Isaiah Mobley actually played very well in very that Colorado well. game, 12 points for him.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure if it's, if it's time to look to move uh, Isaiah up to the starting lineup because we saw in the beginning of the season that didn't it work. Didn't work yeah. But it might be time to look to him to be, the score that we all thought he was going to be coming in it seems like he's adjusting to the college game a little better now
0: mhm it seems like he's doing a little better as like a floor spacer stretching out yeah. to the three point
2: line and he's doing pretty well you know holding down defensively yeah. uh, they they have him playing basically the center position something i didn't even know yeah. he had in his bag but you know
0: i mean they, he is 6'10 so yeah, that's true. he's taller than most of the most of the players on the floor whoever they're facing Right, and that's what surprised me with the Colorado game was that the two bigs they threw out there were all 6'8 and i thought with Rakosevic and Okongwu, okay, that's two six ten, six eleven guys. Right. Um, they should have the interior advantage, but it turned out um, that Colorado really forced the bigs into taking post ups, and their bigs were pretty strong exactly. and held up pretty well. And it threw Okongwu exactly. off his game. You know, he he tried to get a few hooks and try to get a few touches that didn't go in the basket. Then all of a sudden, like Jonah Matthews and Weaver couldn't hit threes, and then. You know, before you know it, the offense just can't make a shot, and right. they go on like three-minute scoreless streaks, like yeah, five I have to point out
1: streaks. Tyler Bay had some really nice highlight dunks in that oh, game yeah. as well, yeah.
0: and and he's like he's a really good player. I've I've read that he might be a potential like NBA draft pick, maybe like a late second round. Yeah, I
2: think it should be but emphasized a that this uh, Colorado team, this that's no scrub team. That's a very yeah. good team. That you know this team, you know, went out and fought its best. I, th- I think Enfield said in the press conference that they played extremely hard, just not particularly well. Um, and I think that's the 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 story of the game in my eyes. Yep. That you know they 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 the effort was there. It's just shots weren't falling. You know there was some mis, there was some miscommunication defensively. Um, just things weren't clicking on that
0: night. And this was a Colorado team that lost to UCLA a couple of days before, so right. they were really playing motivated basketball. But even um, Isaiah Mobley was saying after the game that. This Pac twelve conference is really good across the board. Yeah. So on any given night, any team can beat any team. Like Washington is last in the conference, but somehow they still beat right the Trojans by forty two points. Right. So um right, on any given night you have teams beating up on teams. So right. that's why you see so much um Um, so much parity in the standings. Yeah. And
2: it'll be interesting once we get to the tournament because it'll Mm -hmm. be about who gets hot at that particular time. Um, And hopefully the shooting starts trending back up that way uh, by the time that the the tournament rolls around. But it'll be very interesting to see who comes out on top because at this point, uh, it's really anybody's tourney Mm -hmm. in the Pac-12. Even in the
0: entire NCAA, to be totally honest. There's some surprising teams this year. But I'm looking forward for the Trojans team. They head on the road to Arizona for a two-game stretch. They play... uh, an Arizona team that's actually ranked now—they're ranked 23rd. They're unranked last week, and then Arizona State, which should be an easier opponent. I think the Arizona game will be really interesting because you have really good young talent on that team, like Nico Mannion, who's yeah. going to be a lottery pick. You have Zeke Naji, a really good center who can match Okongwu's size to a certain right. degree, and then Josh Green is a really good wing player for them. They've been kind of inconsistent because you know they're all freshmen. They're led by freshmen, um, but that 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 should be a really interesting game. Right. Yeah, I'm excited to see.
1: Once, well, not for this game in particular, but when they come to town, just so we get to see them live. But yeah. I mean, I think yeah, those guys Nico are all Mannion. solid players. Nico, Nico Mannion's Mannion a and player Josh that everyone Green. wants to watch.
2: I'm I'm particularly excited to see how Ethan, who I think is a very very great defensive guard, great instincts. He's obviously really strong. I'm hyped to see what he's going to do against Nico because I, I think there's potential there um, for Ethan to really show his chops what he has defensively. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a
0: type of matchup that he's definitely going to get up for right. as like an energy player, no doubt. Okay, so let's move on to um, signing day, which is looming in a couple days on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And um, I know, Michael, you have compiled some observations about um, the players that are about to put their signature
1: okay, on so, paper. Right? Yeah, and right now, we've talked about this last season during December when USC's recruiting class was probably bottom of the barrel. I think they were like 80th ranked, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Last
0: in the Pac-12, right? Or Yeah, exactly.
1: But n- now we've kind of... Boosted that up. We're 59th nationally and 10th in the Pac-12. Still Mm. not great. But when you really think about it, do we need
2: a solid recruiting class this upcoming season? I'm going to push back against that. I'm going to say that a school like USC should never have a a bad recruiting class. Um, Because we have a, a, a strong core of young talent, it won't hurt us as much this year. But to be a school such as USC with the the legacy and the history that you have within the school, especially within the football pro- program, that's unacceptable. Yeah, and that's, that's what I'm worried about too, with how this is going to affect us in the long run. Like right.
1: we have the number one quarterback next year coming in Jake Garcia. Mm-hmm. I think we mentioned him once before, but yeah. he'll be here next year when once Ke- Keaton's a junior, and if he goes chooses to go to the NFL, then We'd have another guy in his sophomore year coming right. in. But other than that, what what's this recruiting
2: class gonna look like? What's the recruiting class? the year after going to look like uh, from what it looks like it's a lot of size um, which is something that I think that we need especially uh, in the trenches that's I'll always hold to the fact that you win football games on the offensive and defensive lines that's where it starts and that's where you can make the greatest impact um, so from a size standpoint it seems as though we're improving from a talent standpoint obviously being the 60th ranked is not uh, you know it's not great but a lot of times I feel like when you recruit for offensive linemen specifically people don't tend to, you know, tout those guys as highly just because, you know, it's a, those are the grimy dudes. No one likes talking about them, no one likes analyzing them, but those can be some pretty talented players too. So it'll be up to what they it'll be up to what we see from them once they get into the, uh, in the program, but I definitely like that they're targeting what we need because our our clear issues in the past have been, you know, offensive and defensive line. So in that right, they're doing a good job, but, you know, i still would like to see them recruit, I guess, you know, highly, you know, more better prospects. Yeah. And speaking of better
1: prospects, the reason we've moved up so high in the rankings is because we did bring in Gary Bryant. He was a top 60 wide receiver and that really boosted up USC's numbers. Yeah. Another receiver, but they can't hurt. I mean, with the amount of injuries we had last year, but what do you think USC's focus should be
2: going into this week? Um, just just pull as much talent as possible. Just pull as much talent as possible. I, I think that's what you do, and I think that's what we've done in the past is you know, bring in the talent and figure out what you do with it once it gets here. But the first and foremost thing in, in how football games are won is having talent first and foremost. See, I'm actually going to disagree with that. Yeah. I think
1: Clay Helton and the recruiting staff should focus on just getting one top guy. Really? Maybe he's another California recruit highly touted, that's got USC up on his board. But the uncertainty that was there when people weren't sure if Clay Helton was going to be there, mm-hmm. that's out the window. We know he's going to stay for at least another year, so players will not have that in their head. Plus, we're now bringing in probably a whole new defensive staff. Todd Orlando's taking over in that department. Yeah. So maybe he goes out and recruits some Texas guys that he was looking at, and Possibly. those guys are very talented down there. Oh,
2: yeah, no doubt. Uh, Texas is probably the best high school uh, program in the country, um, but it, it, the risk in going and t- trying to land just the one top guy, we saw what happened with Bryce Young, right? Yeah. And that was a one top guy who had committed to SC, and then next thing you know, he's out the door. And, and in the same vein, we saw what happened with Brew McCoy, and he committed to Texas, and then he ended up turning around and coming back to USC. So, you know, those things are volatile in that those guys can switch up on their decisions pretty easily. Um, so if you go and get a top guy, there's no guarantee that he's going to end up here. But if you do end up with a lot of really good prospects, not necessarily the top, top guys, but a lot of solid three, four stars, that's talent that you know you're going to have in-house for the long run, which is what I think is the important thing here is sustained success. Because at this point, the USC football program is starting to lose its fan base, I feel like. Yeah. And if there if there's no semblance of improvement in the near future, it could keep going downhill and, and it's starting to snowball out of control now and it could only continue to get worse.
0: Yep. For for a pedigree like, you know, a a, a name like USC who's historically extremely significant, you know, in college football, it is interesting to see um, the struggle to acquire talent like right they, like they have yeah. in the past. there's no
2: excuse for that there's no excuse for that and i, I think it it all starts with the culture that, that's being established and hopefully with the addition of mike bone he'll start you know to shift that culture um again you know when when you keep a guy like clay Helton, mm-hmm. you're kind of saying that we, we're hanging on to what we've had in the past um, but that's the decision that's been made and we can only push forward from there so hopefully Helton mm-hmm. in his own right is going to take that to heart and say I'm going to make a conscious decision to change my coaching style and establish a different culture and let these people know that what's been existing here in the past is not what's going to exist moving forward mm-hmm. um, and that's going to be on him and Mike Bone I think yeah. to, hey to not many to... people like
1: that Orgeron down in Louisiana until now so right? I mean, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, winning, there's always hope
0: winning fixes mm-hmm. a lot of things mm-hmm. winning fixes yep. a lot of things. he's got the, the pieces right now so. yeah the pieces for sure and the early perception of Mike Bone by Trojans fans is uh let's just say not great so far so um he has some work to do to I guess fix that uh fix that reputation among Trojans fans but it's we'll, always hard we'll to come in here goes. and
1: come into a school and just fire a football head coach all right off the bat mm-hmm. I think that was his decision I think he was happy with Clay and It would have been. It's gonna be another.
2: It would have been a very hard decision. In my eyes, it it was harder to keep him than it was to fire him because everybody and their mother outside was like ready to, you know, pull the plug on Mm -hmm. Clay Helen from like the middle of this season. So you know, it was it was a it was a very not risky but ballsy decision to keep. Yes. Um. And you know, I respect it, and we'll see where it goes from here. But you know, if you're putting your chips and you're putting your eggs in that basket, I hope you know it's a
0: good basket and that's going to be able to hold on to him optimism is key optimism is key and we'll leave you on that note that'll do it for this episode of the scoreboard podcast thanks for tuning in we'll be back next week with the latest on usc basketball and the returns of the football recruits